On the show today, Devin Gross, CEO, and Jerry Lynn Bomblatt, Executive Director of Patient Engagement at Emmy, will discuss the top five patient engagement trends for 2016, what's facing our healthcare industry this year, and what you should do about it to benefit your organization and your populations. I'm your host, Lauren Reese, and you're listening to Bottom Line Radio. Welcome to Bottom Line Radio, Emmy's podcast on everything patient engagement. I'm your host, Lauren Reese, and joining me is Devin Gross and Jerry Lynn Bomblatt. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Data shows that 81% of executives say their organizations are starting to shift operations toward value, but one out of every five said they are waiting to see what works for other organizations. Research from Class just released their 2015 patient engagement report which found only 10% of surveyed providers had a defined focus on engaging patients to proactively manage well-being. Regulatory programs such as Meaningful Use and Patient Satisfaction programs are driving engagement right now. Healthcare execs want to focus on patient engagement, but many don't know where to start or are beginning by tackling engagement from a government mandate perspective. So what are the business benefits of a true patient engagement strategy beyond simply recognizing it as a government mandate? For one thing, you're just looking at a better patient experience, which has become increasingly important, not just for patient satisfaction scores, but also for the employee engagement, for retaining people, for loyalty. Um, And you also are starting to see some real outcomes from engaging patients as well. So it's not just about, oh, this is a good thing that makes everybody feel better, You know, when patients understand what's going on, they're more likely to follow instructions when they understand why to follow them and why they're doing what they're doing. So they'll actually, you know, show up not having eaten or drink, having anything to eat or drink before surgery. Um, They'll actually show up for their procedure. And when they go home, they're more likely to engage in everything that you need them to do so that they don't become uh, what could be an avoidable readmission. You know, so there's there's a whole lot going on there that's really important for patients to not just feel good about what's happening to them and have a good experience, but to really get what's happening to them and understand their expectations so that as they leave the hospital, they're not coming right back. And I agree with everything that Jerry said, but I touch on some more of the macro things that you, that you brought up in your initial question. Um, so one, the, the fact hospitals are saying they're gonna wait, or health systems are gonna wait and see what others do in the space, you know, I believe strongly that where healthcare needs to begin looking is not at other healthcare organizations, but at other consumer brands. And as this market is moving away from just that episodic engagement at a moment in time and looking at people over a broader continuum, the ability to maintain that relationship in a very meaningful, personalized way just like other consumer brands do, is gonna be critical for healthcare organizations. And I think they need to start um, looking outside the industry and begin experimenting in different ways. The other thing I I would just like to touch on that you mentioned, which I think is gonna be a significant trend, is um, not letting the government legislations drive your actions. And you know, I think the government did a a service to the industry by encouraging people to adopt technology and then implement it. And I think we've done a really nice job with that, but we're at the point of what should we really be doing for what's right for the patient, what's right for the business, not what's right from a legislative mandate. And you know, Andy Slavitt from CMS made a comment earlier this week 
um, that MU3 may not actually move forward um, and that there'll be a transition in the program. And I personally, you know, as, as a company that's, that's been focused on this for a long time, feel that's a really great thing for the industry to begin to encourage entrepreneurs, to begin to encourage companies and health systems to begin to take risks and try different things to engage people in different ways. Jerry talked about episodic care. Devin, you mentioned population health. So what are some ways that we can move beyond the episodic interactions and a healthcare organization can create a strategy that stretches across the care continuum? Yeah, I, I can kick off on that a little bit. Um, you know, I think the financial incentives in the market are beginning to change the, the relationship between health systems and the patients. And, you know, for 100 years in this country, um, someone had a pain, someone had an ailment they wanted to take care of, they would show up and then a process would begin. And the days of people just showing up at the door, I think are, are, are going away quickly, both because the, you know, at-risk financial models and the value-based financial models. So now how, there's a conundrum out there, how do we touch lots of people in a meaningful way, cost-effectively? And I don't think the market's figured it out yet, but what I can, you know, I believe strongly is adding bodies to make phone calls isn't gonna work. So how do you use technology, but not technology, um, how do you use meaningful technology that is engaging, that is empowering, that is empathetic? And you know, Jerry's one of the experts in the, in the country, if not the world, on that topic, and I'll kind of let her pick it up from, from there. Right, so I think that you know, it's, it's one thing to say you're gonna reach out to people with phone calls and try and give them reminders that they should show up or, or take an action or come in for a colonoscopy. But it's a whole other thing to really realize that you're seeing them such a small percentage of the time and their experience of their health condition or even if it is something more specifically episodic like that that they're coming in for is something they're going home and living with. So we really need to like follow people and understand what they're going through. So a big piece of it um, isn't super magical. It's really working with patients as you develop any types of calls or systems or programs that reach out to them and then understanding what it means for them to get a call before they come in that helps them understand what they need to do. Gives them a short program that helps them understand how to do the dreaded colonoscopy prep and also kind of calms them down about it and then what to expect from the hospital experience. But then follow them, you know, if they get a diagnosis and they need a procedure to really like help set them up for that and understand what it means and where they're going. And there's so many ways this can happen, whether it's with something like obstetrics. I mean, that is an experience where right now we can follow a woman and her family like from beginning to end. Um, you know, we can start with giving, for example, a decision aid about prenatal genetic testing, which is really a conundrum for a lot of women who are not quite at that age where it's a no-brainer to get that done, um, and then really help them through, say they have gestational diabetes, to understand that. And again, it's not just giving them information, but reaching out to them with technology that resonates with them and understands what they're going through. So again, keep following them, help educate their whole family about something like postpartum depression so that everybody knows the signs and can look for it. And you just start to arm people and you start to touch them over time, over and over, in a way that they just feel cared for and, and also feel more comfortable and confident 
knowing when to reach out to their clinicians as well. So you don't just have people coming into your ER when something's really going wrong. You have people kind of reaching out or delivering that communication back to the hospitals so that they know who needs more help with things. So I think you can really like follow people along these, these care pathways now and just kind of, kind of take their hand and walk with them through the whole thing. And just to add on that, and you know, as Jerry spoke, she started talking about patients and she ended talking about people. <laughs> and, and I think that's the reality of this, right? We have to stop thinking a, a patient is actually just a moment in time where I'm a patient, but I'm always a person. And how do I think about that conversation with the person always, when they're well, when they're sick, when they're chronic, when they're episodic? And then when they get into those states, that's when I take over with a different path, but I can't ignore them when they're not in one of those states. And, and I think that, that real shift of thinking from patient to person is, is significant and, and, and huge in the market right now. Um, I wanted to go back briefly to talking a little bit more about meaningful use, just because of the timeliness of Andy Slavitt saying that meaningful use stage three is probably not going forward. And also um, in the class report, it came out that most people think that they're doing patient engagement because they have a patient portal. Um, and that kind of technology for technology's sake that we briefly touched on already. So can you talk a little bit more about how, maybe your tips for a healthcare organization to avoid signing on to a patient portal and thinking they've checked the box and they're done with that piece and they can move on with other strategies? So I, I think you highlight um, you know, an interesting issue in the market. Patient engagement means lots of things to lots of different people. And, and, and also in the class report, it, it, I think it calls out that there is not one single solution that solves all patient engagement, right? So from an any solutions perspective, we do our piece exceptionally well and you know I'm biased, but I think we do it better than anybody else. And that's how do you deliver information in such a way that people understand and ultimately take actions and behaviors that we want. Now to do that, you need lots of things around it, right? A patient portal, important, and it provides a nice longitudinal access point for patients or people, but it's really a self-service tool. But you have to have meaningful, if you look at patient portal adoption around the country, it's quite low. And it's quite low because it's really focused at episodic moments and they haven't delivered value to get people coming back. So organizations need to look at patient engagement in a very broad spectrum. The portal serves a purpose. What Emmy does serves a purpose. Human beings still serve a purpose. You know, how do, how do we tie all this together into this very holistic experience that's providing the value and really driving the, the, the broad experience that we want? Yeah, I mean, and I think there's a flip side of that too, where, um, you know, you see a lot of places also doing apps because apps sound really cool and fun, but there's a real barrier there for people to download those, to you know, keep them up to date, to put them across all the different uh, types of devices. And so when you're really gonna try and democratize something and make sure that it's accessible to everybody, putting it on the web is, is a great way to do that. Another fact that came up in the class report is that many uh, health executives, healthcare executives are looking into investing in wearable technology. Um, as, and we've heard maybe that a lot of people think that that could be kind of a magic bullet. Um, but we know that data shows that a lot of people stop wearing those wearables and 
also what do we do with all the data that those wearables produce? Who who's in charge of looking over that and determining the next steps for the person wearing it? So any thoughts on kind of the wearable boom coming out? So Emmy's had 13, experience, 13 years of experience at trying to engage people, right? Engage people in their care. And with that, because we track everything, we have lots of data. So certain things I can tell you just from looking at 13 years of data, and then I'll, I'll kind of reference that, or I'll answer that. But we know if you have an episodic acute event, the likelihood of you engaging significantly is high. We know if you have a chronic condition, it drops. And we know if you're one of the healthy well, it drops exponentially. Now, I think when you look at a lot of the wearables and you look at a lot of the information provided, you know, you're getting a very engaged consumer. You're getting the healthy well that wants to track everything. And then you're seeing some start using a little bit and then there's a dramatic dip. And I think without like everything, without the right incentives, whether that be financial incentives, whether that be benefit design, whether that be whatever, you're not gonna see the compliance that we want with the population that we need it. And I, and I think that's critical. But having said all that, I think this concept, and I'll put wearables in there, this concept of patient self-reported data, how am I feeling, what am I doing, what's my weight, what am I, it's something that this industry has ignored and it could be our, it could be kind of the silver bullet, but we've gotta figure out how we leverage it and we make it meaningful and we make it useful. Yeah, and it has to be more about just tracking steps so I think one of the challenges too is as the consumer versions of these get better at things like sleep or understanding things like blood pressure, different things like that where you can really get your hands around some real data where you can create a more impactful profile that can give clinicians and patients insight into how is what I'm doing really affecting my health and having a positive impact. Because I think one of the things that could be great for um, that that we also look at ways to think about is kind of narrating change for patients because especially if you have a chronic condition you get overwhelmed you get exhausted you want to take a break from the condition and you really can't uh, and especially if it's pain you don't want to track that you don't want something reminding you about your pain by asking you about it regularly so how can we help people see hey these small things that you're doing you maybe don't notice the gradual change because it's small, but you're you know, burning calories better or you're doing this better, and that's incredibly motivating for people. I think we just haven't gotten to the point yet where we're able to get our hands around enough of that really accurate data and build that picture so people can see that and, and build motivation off of that. And I, I love, it's the first time I've heard it, but that term narrating change, I really love. So how do you take, and, and maybe that's how you begin to think about wrapping some meaning around all these disparate data points, that there is meaning, but someone's gotta begin telling the story for the individual and what's the meaning of that story, to, and, and that's how you change behavior. So I, I love that, that kind of thought. We've talked a lot about patient engagement and some of the trends organizations continue to invest in. How do they know they're getting value for their investment, and what should they be looking at? Yep, that, that's a great question. I think that's one of the, the big challenges in the industry right now. So, and this goes back to, we say engagement mean lot, means lots of things to lots of people. One of our, um, someone I know in the industry recently said to me, they were tracking patient engagement, and as they dug deeper, what they were really tracking uh, were patient outreaches or patient touches, but they weren't actually measuring engagement. 
and and the activation and and I think that's big that's what a lot of people are doing so I think organizations have to look back and say why are we doing this and what are we trying to accomplish and if that's satisfaction then you have to measure satisfaction if that's um, driving activity or, or driving activation so are people more compliant then we have to measure that if it's patient acquisition and we want to demonstrate that people are aligning with our brand and they're continuing to come to the organization again going back to the consumer theme then we have to we have to manage that you know and I hope what's coming across from my my answer here is it's hard and it's complex and putting a solution in place and thinking you're gonna get immediate results it's not gonna happen um, and it, it's gonna take lots of time and it's gonna take a lot of trial and error and it's gonna take looking at the data and shifting action and behavior within your organization um, as, as, as part of that behavior. I think um, I have similar thoughts in that, you know, uh, really looking at those outcomes like length of stay, readmissions, like those, those are things that are really hard data that we can look at. And then I think even looking at how is this affecting uh, or helping my physicians, you know, is this making uh, their their patient encounters better? Are they more satisfied? Are they having better conversations? I think those are all the types of things that places can look at and are really meaningful for attracting the people who you want to have come work for you, and also in terms of delivering the kind of care and seeing those outcomes that you want to see. And I think. They're all part of the same thing that we try and say, oh, well, that's great if we can improve length of stay, but I don't think that's unrelated to the patient satisfaction and all the other outcomes that we look at. So I think there's really like microwaves to go in and, and look at very specific things that people roll out. And then I think there's, there's bigger ways to even just see how is that helping your organization overall in terms of you know, what people are getting out of, of some of the technology that's being implemented. We've talked a lot about technology, and there's a perception that technology alone is going to solve the patient engagement issue. What do you think? I'll start, and Jerry, if, if you jump in on this. You know, I think it's a great question and, and something that we think a lot about here at Emmy. And, and one of our clients said to us probably three months ago that they're beginning to think of Emmy as they introduce into the organization. They're not introducing Emmy as a new technology. They're introducing Emmy as a new member of the care team. So where staff is tired at the end of the day where staff you know has already answered 100 telephones and they telephone calls and they may not you know be as nice on the first call as the last call emmy as the technology is always friendly emmy as the technology is always talking to people at a sixth grade education level a fourth grade health literacy level emmy's always available no matter how what time of day it is or how they're feeling and when you begin to think about incorporating technology not as a separate isolated solution but as an integral part of the broader care delivery process, then you can really transform industries. And I'll go back to how I started. You know, what's consumer brands done? And they've begun to do this exceptionally well. And then Jerry can talk about the importance of design in that, in that experience. Yeah, because I think the only way something becomes part of the care team is if it's well designed to understand what the care team needs and understand what the patient needs both for user design, for understanding, for empathy, and how, how do you design for that in a way that makes something integrate into the care team that, in that really fundamental way. And engages the patient in right. that fundamental way. exactly. Um, so now we're running out of time, so I'm gonna ask both of you, what is your bottom line for 2016? Jerry? 
I think it's really that things have to be designed with empathy and understanding both for the patient and for the caregivers and a real understanding of the challenges of those interactions and and how do we augment that in whatever way we can really with with design and technology coming together. And Devin? I think 2016 is really the year where the market starts moving uh, beyond doing patient engagement because they felt they needed to do it because of either legislative mandate or changing financials to they're doing it because it's the right thing to do. It's going to transform their business. It's going to improve their patient experience. It's going to strengthen their relationships with the populations of people that they're, um, that they're out there trying to serve. Great insights today from Devin and Jerry. Thank you both for being on the show today. Thanks for having us. Look forward to coming back. Thanks. Don't miss out on future shows. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast at the bottom of the page, and you can learn more about this topic by downloading Emmy's Guide to the Elements of Effective Patient Engagement, available for download on this page as well. I'm Lauren, and thanks for listening to Bottom Line Radio. Bottom Line Radio.